Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Hi, I'm Penny Worsing, FY19 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now to talk about SWE's India study on gender bias is lead researcher Joan C. Williams, Distinguished Professor of Law at the University of California, Hastings College of Law, and Founding Director of the Center for Work-Life Law. Thanks for joining us, Joan. Delighted to be here. So, Joan, the gender bias study conducted in India was modeled after the climate control study conducted in the U.S. in 2016. I understand in both studies, engineers completed online surveys that asked questions relating to four basic patterns of implicit bias. Tell us more about how the study was designed. The study was designed around the Workplace Experiences Survey, which is a simple 10-minute survey that's designed to give employers an understanding of every major pattern of bias that's playing out by gender, by race, and certain other factors. The Workplace Experiences Survey is based on a comprehensive literature review of 40 years of social science about implicit bias. And so it measures whether those forms of bias are playing out in a given workplace. It measures where they are playing out, whether they're playing out, for example, in hiring or performance evaluations. It measures which of the four patterns is playing out in a given workplace. And then it measures where the the pattern is playing out. Is it in hiring, for example, or in performance evaluations? And finally, it measures the impact of the bias on outcome measures like sense of belonging and intent to stay. Interesting. So so let's talk about those patterns of bias for those who may be unfamiliar. I understand um, there are four basic patterns, uh, prove it again, type rope, maternal wall, and tug of war. Can you briefly explain what those terms mean? I can, but let's first take a step back and have some high order findings of the study, which included both the workplace experiences survey and also some focus groups that we held of women beforehand to help us adapt this survey that was originated in America to the Indian context. Um, We found that bias in India is very high, is reported as very high for both men and women. Um, Gender bias um, is high. Women in both the focus groups and the survey comments talked about gender bias. We also found that um, bias reported by men is quite high and that, that bias reported by men appears to be triggered by different things than gender. It appears to be triggered by bias based on the state or region they come from. 
So we found very high levels of bias among engineers in India. And to go back to the four patterns, the first kind of bias is we call prove it again bias. And it's basically a report that, that engineers feel they have to prove themselves more so than their colleagues of similar education and experience. 76% of the Indian engineers who responded to our survey reported having to um, prove themselves to get the same, more, more so than their colleagues. Um, and we, again, we assume that the women are reporting that they have to prove themselves more than their male colleagues, whereas the men are probably more likely to be reporting that they have to prove themselves more than their colleagues um, of a different language group or a different region. But employers should be really concerned that three-fourths of the engineers in these um, American-owned companies in India are reporting this kind of bias because it, um, it, an increase in prove-it-again bias is linked with decreased intent to stay, decreased career satisfaction and sense of belonging, and decreased sense that performance evaluations are fair, and that compensation is fair. So prove it again bias appears to have a pretty strong impact in the workplace. Um, the second form of bias it, we call tightrope bias, and that reflects the fact that um, a wider range of behavior is often accepted from um, majority men. In this context, it may be majority men who are Americans, um, that's their, our hypothesis, um, than others. Um, so this literature comes out of gender bias, but our prior studies have shown that this tightrope bias is also triggered by other factors other than gender. For example, in the United States, it's triggered by race. And so the the SWE India study found that three-fourths of the engineers who responded to our survey report that there are a narrower range of behaviors are accepted in them in the workplace than in others. Behavior like behaviors like assertiveness, for example, self-promotion and anger, um, are they feel are less accepted in them than in others. And again, we would um, based on focus groups and some of the survey data, our interpretation is that women feel that they are, um, there's actually two strong findings, that women are um, being policed into being less assertive than men and to playing kind of uh, a more of a supportive role rather than a leadership role in the workplace. And again, we think for men, we're picking up bias based on region um, or language. Uh, increase in tightrope bias also links to outcomes. It links, links to worse outcomes across the board with intent to stay, um, which is lower, lower career satisfaction, lower sense of belonging, and uh, a sense that there is bias in basically every workplace system from hiring to compensation to sponsorship, you name it. The, the third form of bias we call maternal wall bias, and that is the bias triggered by motherhood. We found in the survey very strong 
gender role expectations held by um, everybody. 40% of the engineers said that mothers were expected to work less after they had children, and 27% said that fathers were expected to work more um, after, uh, after they have children. And so there's this sense people have that women are being, uh, men are being policed into a breadwinner role and women are being kind of policed informally into a caregiver role. And the maternal wall, wall bias links with feeling excluded in the workplace. And then finally, the fourth pattern of bias is when gender bias against women fuels conflicts among women. Um, and we found um, some robust evidence of that. Um, it, on some of the questions, two-thirds of the women felt that women, some of their women colleagues had just turned into men. That was higher than the number of men, who percentage of men who felt that. Three-fourths of the women felt that other women um, just don't understand what it takes to succeed in their environment. Again, that was higher than among the men so you have women there kind of faulting each other for navigating that tightrope um, wrong and not displaying the optimal number, uh, optimal combination of femininity and masculinity. Tightrope bias links with lower belonging, higher exclusion, and also less of an intent to stay. Although I should mention that some of the women, and this finding was much smaller actually in the U.S., uh, what's stronger in the U.S., excuse me, um, that some of the women said, oh, uh, there's not uh, a tug of war among women here because where I work, there's basically no other women in sight. My problem is with the boys club. So there were quite a number of comments that uh, of women feeling that they were struggling and feeling very excluded from the boys club, or as one of them put it, the smoking club. Interesting. So um, that's a lot of information you just provided. And I wonder, are there any of these findings that particularly surprised you in the India study versus the U.S.? Um, yes, there were some really interesting comparisons um, between India and the U.S. Um, we see um, high levels of bias for both women and men in India. The, the levels of bias reported by both genders in India is about the same as the level of bias reported by women engineers in the U.S., um, but higher than the levels of bias reported by male engineers in the U.S. Um, that, for example, tightrope, proved again, bias in hiring and compensation, um, the levels of bias reported by men and women in India are about the same as what you find women reporting in the U.S. So in some areas, the level of bias for engineers in India was slightly higher than women engineers in the U.S. and really a lot higher than male engineers in the U.S. Um, in high, uh, reported bias in promotions and performance evaluations. Um, follow this pattern. This is where we may have been picking up um, the sense of women, uh, of by men and women alike in India, that if they are Indian engineers working in American companies, the DAC, the deck is 
uh, is kind of stacked against them. And so the the important message, I think, for um, for Indian companies, and we can talk more about what we found about workplace processes, but that um, these companies, American companies in India, should begin to address some of these challenges by through tweaks to workplace processes. So, so you mentioned some recommendations. Um, I'm sure the companies that uh, employ these people would be interested to hear uh, what they can do to make a difference. Well, um, they're in luck because we have in the report referenced a website that the Center for Work Life Law, which is the we worked with SWE to do the study. It's the institute that worked with SWE to do the study. We have a website called www.biasinterrupters.org. And on that website, we have things that both individual managers can do to interrupt bias and things that companies can do to interrupt bias. Because if you have these high levels of bias being reported, what is probably happening is that you have um, forms of bias, many of them subtle, some of them not so subtle, being constantly transmitted through a business's basic business systems. Um, so for example, three quarters of the engineers surveyed reported bias in assignments, in promotions, in sponsorship opportunities, and in compensation. And two thirds of the engineers who responded to our study reported bias in their performance evaluations and half reported bias in their company's hiring processes. So in the report, we have very, very concrete steps that companies can take, steps that are evidence-based and metrics-driven to interrupt bias in things like hiring and performance evaluations and, and assignments. Okay, thank you. So again, that uh, website is www.biasinterrupters.org, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I see that of the engineers that responded, um, there was quite a range. I mean, in terms of years of employment and their age um, and even, you know, male and female, it was it was quite a broad range of people that you were able to reach. Um, do you have any comments about that? We were, we were pleased with the broad range. And one of the things to point out is that sort of the traditional way to do this kind of study is just to look at gender bias alone. And we feel strongly that it's important to put gender bias within a context where, because some people may be deeply affected by gender bias, um, other people may be deeply affected by other forms of bias. And I think if you study gender bias alone, people often think, oh, well, you're just asking for special treatment for women. First of all, that's not true. We're actually just asking for a level playing field for women. But it's important to recognize that by creating, you have, you, by creating a level playing field for women, you're also creating a level or playing field for many men. And that's really the central message of this report. Which is very important. So I really appreciate that. 
Um, okay. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like the listeners to know about the um, the report itself? I will say um, that we'll be presenting more about this um, India gender bias study at our State of the Women in Engineering session at WE18, which is the annual conference for the Society of Women Engineers. And uh, WE18 will be October 18th through 20th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, but but before we end the recording, I just want to see, is there is there anything more that really jumps out, out at you that you would like uh, the listeners to understand? Yeah, a few points that we haven't talked about. Um, first of all, there is a government policy in India that is designed to keep women who are at work safe. And we looked into that government policy the way it has been implemented is that women are typically required to leave by a certain time in the evening, women but not men. And so um, from the focus groups, we had reason to be concerned that this policy, which is well-intentioned and desired to keep women safe, might be having negative effects. One person, for example, in a focus group said that because she had to leave promptly, um, at a certain hour, if she had to take a phone call, a work phone call after that hour, she took it out on the corner. But I'm happy to say that the government policy appears to be the widespread perception is that it it does keep women safer and that it is generally working. The perception is that it does have some negative impacts in terms of opportunities for advancement, um, having to miss a meeting, having to stop working in the middle of something. Um, but it's also perceived to have some positive impacts for women, notably on work-life balance. And so I think that's an important finding as well. Certainly one thing that employers should consider with respect to enforcing that policy, if they're, they're um, having women leave at an earlier time than men are expected to leave, is um, I think it's going to have a differential impact based on whether the woman has a personal computer to um, to bring home to her, uh, home with her. We also looked at sexual harassment, and based on prior studies, we had found lower we found lower level than sexual harass uh, of sexual harassments than we anticipated based on our experience in studying engineers in the, the U.S. Um, the, the, the research on sexual harassment in India suggests that the levels that we find may have been um, reflected by, by people's often reluctance to report sexual harassment um, in, um, in India for, for various reasons. Um, we did find some but it was considerably less than the, the incidence of sexual harassment um, as reported in other studies in the, in the U.S. That is an interesting finding. And I'm sure there will be um, more, more interesting findings that come up and uh, probably additional uh, research to be done both in India and, and elsewhere in the world, I would expect. Absolutely. I think for American companies, it's an important report to um, get them to re-examine whether the 
Indian engineers that they have working for them in the in, in those American companies feel that they're they are experiencing a level playing field at work and that their work is being judged by the same standards as um uh, as as others in the workplace. Okay. Well, um so, Joan, uh, could you tell us a little about the uh, literature review of gender bias in engineering in India? Well, there's some very good news and some not so good news when you look at the history of women engineers in India over recent decades. The good news is that women have been earning engineering degrees in India um, at a much higher rate, for example, than they were in 1980. Only um, 1.5% of engineering degrees were granted to women in 1980. That number had increased by 2000 to almost 25%. Um, so that's the good news. The not so good news, the first installment, is that the level of uh, that level has stagnated um, since. 2000 and is not has not increased very much since 2000. Um, another bit of good news is that um, the the climate for women engineers for women engineering students in India appears to be much more positive than the climate for women engineering students in the U.S. Um, so that's another bit of good news. Uh, a bit of bad news is that the unemployment rate for women with engineering degrees in India is very high, five times higher uh, than the rate for, for men. And the unemployment rate for women engineers in India today is about 40%. Yes, it's shockingly high. We, we tend to assume that, oh, that's just because they have families and their priorities shift. That may be part of the explanation um, but there's really two points I think that employers sh should recognize. First of all, if it is part, it's only part. And what this study shows is that women engineers often find they face um, in these um, companies that we studied quite a chilly climate. They feel that they're, they have to prove themselves more than their male colleagues. They feel they have to walk a tightrope between being seen as too masculine and too feminine. They feel that once they have children, people assume they lack um, commitment to their jobs. And sometimes the women are pitted against each other in these companies, typically because there are so few women. And so it's cause for concern that there is such a, given the high success that India has in no doubt spending a lot of money educating women engineers, that it has such a high unemployment rate um, among engineers. And the, the final point really has to goes back to the issue of motherhood and that um, if you design the ideal worker in engineering around someone who has no childbearing capacity and has no responsibility either for care of children or care of parents or in-laws, you've really designed the ideal worker around someone with a man's body and men's traditional life patterns. And that really is not delivering equal economic opportunity to women. Nor delivering a diverse perspective on um, 
all of the issues that are being addressed by the engineers. That's really true. And so what you also have in India is that women uh, women in India earn about um, 60% of men in India in the same jobs. And so uh, although in some ways the climate for women engineers in India is better than in the U.S., and I think it's important to recognize that in some ways um, India too faces some very substantial challenges. Very much so. Well, well, thank you. Um, as I mentioned, we will be presenting more about this bias study um, at our State of the Women Engineering Session at We18 in Minneapolis on October 18th through 20th. Um, you can find out more uh, about the conference and register at we18.swe.org. You can also learn more about research related to women engineering and technology on SWE's research web website which is research.swe.org. Joan C. Williams is a professor of law at the University of California Hastings College of Law and founding director of the Center for Work-Life Law. Joan, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for your interest. I'm Penny Worsing for all of us at SWE. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud. If you have not already made plans to be part of the largest gathering of women engineers in the world, visit our We18 conference site, we18.swe.org. Information on housing, registration, and keynote speakers is now available. 